Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, welcome back. A different day for the full ride with Matt Green and myself, fellow University of North Georgia Matt Green. Uh, if you are wondering, Chase, you sound terrible. It's because I feel terrible and I am not at my best. But you know what? The pod must go on because. Macarine, we have so much college football stuff that we need to need to hit on, man. I, I just I'm kind of overwhelmed because I'll send you stuff throughout the the day, most days, and um and then I'll go back through our text thread and I'll just be like, oh, that happened when how long ago was that? Was that forty eight hours ago? That feels like forever ago. Um but college football has uh absolutely lost its mind this week, all kinds of stuff. But uh how are you doing, sir? I can't complain, man. Uh, it's a it's a crazy crazy week for sure um, with with National Signing Day and then the portal. Just there's so much so many things happening in college football right now that that aren't the games. But um, yeah, it's a uh, we got we got to get into it. How how is the Christmas shopping done? Because like our next pod will be uh, the day before Christmas Eve, and that will probably be the last pod uh, for the week. Uh, I've done week. like zero Christmas shopping. Oh no, Tori listens to this pod, you know. Yeah, me and Tori are we're in solidarity when it comes to Christmas. But is it's the rest like, of your family? I like the siblings. We all like stopped giving each other gifts. Like we got to figure out something to do for my parents. But uh-huh. like they're pretty low maintenance. It's like I don't know. It's like I don't know. Christmas is pretty low key uh, for for our our household. But I did. Tori did scold me uh, <laughs> after listening to the most recent pod. Oh no, because. Um, Sunday when we were recording was right. was Maddox's first birthday. Mm-hmm. So Maddox is officially one years old. I didn't give him a shout out on the oh. pod. So um so that's my, that's on me, you know. But uh so I had to make that one up to Tori. So Maddox, happy first birthday. So yeah. What did uh what did you make or what did Tori make for him rather? Did she do something elaborate for his first birthday? Um, no, she actually went out of town this week for work, but, um, she's out here scolding you for not giving a shout out on the pod and she just dips out on his birthday altogether. She's not <laughs> even physically there. Yeah, exactly. But, um, sorry, Tori, <laughs> but yeah, she just like got him some toys and stuff like that, you know, some stuff that I'm sure he'll end up destroying. Well, you know what's clutch is, I don't know if you do this, but uh, the sports renaissance woman, she gets uh, a bunch of Christmas toys like uh, the day or the week after Christmas for the dog. So Khaleesi, the dog, gets, she. we have all these Christmas toys around the house and they're all just like 80% off um, right after Christmas. And the dogs don't know. They don't care that it's Christmas stuff and you're giving them Christmas stuff after the holidays. They don't care. It's a, it's a clutch move. Oh, there you go. Yeah, you're onto something there. Um, but yeah, well, I'm excited. Uh, Asheville this weekend, uh, Tennessee playing uh, Memphis. It was a good week for the Vols. Let's start. I think we should just start with our perspective on how our teams did this weekend because or this week rather because uh, me and the family group chat were all uh, pumped up about Heupel's first full recruiting class um, here at Tennessee. And it was a it was a strong one. It depends on where you ultimately uh, give the most props to to really figure out where they where they landed. Um, best case is probably number eleven, number twelve. Um, if you're really confident about a lot of these dudes in here, uh, worst is sixteenth about. Uh, but they're somewhere in that twelve to sixteen range, which for class number one is good because if you look at uh, where Florida is at at fifty, uh, the UW Huskies are at like ninety. 
uh, per two four seven, and it, it it was a disaster for a lot of different programs across well, the board. Well, that that transition class is a little different, than right? The, the first full class. That's true. So, That's yeah. If I had to compare it to uh, compared to like a a Shane Beamer or something like that, which they had, well, they had a solid class, but twenty twenty third, I think, yeah. on uh, the composite. So. Yeah, I think Tennessee at 14, they should definitely be uh, satisfied, especially Auburn at 16, like mm-hmm. Parsons first class. Like, um, I guess that's probably more who Auburn's comparing themselves or to who Tennessee's comparing themselves to right now, more like an Auburn than a, than a South Carolina. Well, you know, it's interesting. It's not even Auburn. I think it's Kentucky and Mizzou. Like, Kentucky cleaned up and they got oh, the five-star. Oh, I forgot star. about Mizzou. Yeah. Mizzou was like number 12, I think. Uh, yeah. Mizzou did really well. They were under the radar. And you know what's weird, man, is like we... I just don't, I would love to pick these coaches' brains and I would love to gather perspectives from those that know in college football because, like, Eli Drinkwitz is already uh, showcasing strong recruiting chops, right? Like, he is, uh, I didn't expect him to be this level of recruiter. He only had the one year at App State before he came over. And he's funny. He trolls uh, uh, Dan Mullen. Like, he's, he's likable, affable, all that. All that being said, they didn't have a good year. Like Steve Wilkes got fired mid-year. Like Tennessee ran for 9,000 yards on them. And most every other team did uh, this year. But he still recruited his tail off. And then I was thinking about um, Scott Satterfield, who can't recruit to save his life at uh, Louisville. And he, if he doesn't get that late flip from the wide receiver from Florida State, uh, it looks bad. I mean, Tion Evans just were committed to them in the portal so uh that should be i guess interesting but um i don't know i i don't understand that like why satterfield who was a coach longer uh than eli drinkwitz and i th- had more sustained success at app state uh can't recruit at louisville but uh eli drinkwitz can recruit right away and in a, an elite level at, at mizzou it's very strange to me yeah i um i was definitely not expecting to see Missouri creeping up around uh, the top 10. Also, I think part of it is um, just this uncertainty of signing day and so many big time programs, not taking anything away from Missouri to be that high, but it's like 16 commits like is not supposed to with one five star and seven, four stars. Like that's not supposed to be the 12th ranked class, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's, it's, it's a little weird right now. Like Oklahoma's got the 10th ranked class. North Carolina's got the eighth-ranked class with 17 commits. So I think it's kind of a weird signing day with so much transition happening. Like like I said, not taking anything away from Missouri. I was definitely surprised to see him up there. But, um, uh, yeah, surprised to see Kentucky up there, too. I mean, Stoops is recruiting. And, I mean, that five-star kid, that poor kid, man, I think we're going to see more of this craziness. Did you see the ad behind him? Um, what was his name? Goodrich, uh, the big five-star off the tackle they got who they've been pushing. I think Stoops mentioned that they were recruiting him since like eighth grade or something. Um, it was down to Michigan State or Kentucky, and he held this whole big elaborate press conference and then said he's taking his time to, to pick and then proceeded to announce like a couple hours later that he was going to Kentucky. Just an absolute mess. But um, I think we're going to wow. see more of that uh, to this point. But what like that? That's just one of those. It was almost like the decision uh, on a much smaller scale, obviously. But uh the the audacity to hold a big time press conference uh to not announce a school is is uh is a is a it's a deep flex in my my opinion but what are you doing yeah like, like what why why are we here 
the attention, right? Like just to get the uh, the the views and the eyeballs and just to the swerve, I guess. I don't know. Um, but he ultimately did choose Kentucky, which I think propped them up and kept that uh, class looking really good. But yeah, Mark Stoops committed. Uh, they're they're good. Brady White didn't go anywhere. They're DC. Liam Cohen's back. They're running the game. Like I, I get all of why they're still solid. I Kentucky is less of a surprise to me than um, Mizzou, but we'll see if Mizzou comes, keeps up. And that's what makes the East really interesting uh for for georgia but in terms of who tennessee brought in i think Taven jackson's gonna be a good player i, I like him a lot four star of indiana he's been committed a long time addison nichols should be good we have a girl we have a we have a guy named squirrel white did you see this we we brought in a alabama kid 510 like 155 speedster squirrel white and i don't know if you know this i think i sent you some pictures of uh the the tennessee volunteer squirrel that we have uh this guy at Oak Ridge, who comes to all the games, and he has the squirrel, and he dresses him up in Tennessee stuff, and you can oh, put him yeah, on your shoulder. You. Yeah. Are you telling me about this guy? We got to set up an NIL deal with them and uh, with Squirrel White. Like, I, I'm I'm here for it. Uh, Dylan Sampson, uh, I don't know if you know this or not, broke Eddie Lacy's high school rushing record um, in Alabama, so he's coming into the fold. Uh, a lot of receivers, a lot of running backs, uh, a lot of defensive linemen. So, Tennessee, Rodney Garner cleaned up with a late flip. Uh, took after UGA, the Tiff County kid. Um, that was pretty unexpected. Yeah, Tyre West. Yeah, so that was a I big... Think, mm. I, I think there was a lot of crystal balls coming in for Florida State. So mm-hmm. I, think, I think people were expecting him to flip from Georgia, but uh, the Tennessee kind of came out of nowhere there. Rodney Garner put in work. Um, defensive line is going to be in good shape uh, going forward. And then, of course, Rodney Harrison's kid uh, coming into the fold. But yeah, I mean, all in all, pretty exciting. Uh, I'm very curious, though, if Tennessee... Uh, what they do in the portal and what else they fill out the rest of this roster in in that context because I think they might need to go portal shopping for some uh, O line depth and then Cade Mays uh, this week being like yeah I mean I'd love to come back and play with my brother again but it's gonna like I'm I'm looking for third to fourth round money for me to come back so he's looking for like 750k in an NIL deal to keep him in Knoxville which I think is, <laughs> is, is hilarious and awesome but like I've never heard anyone say that yeah he said on the Swain event this past week of just being like hey yeah I mean I'm I'm open to coming back but it's gonna cost 750k that I would get in the third to fourth round of the NFL draft so um I don't know maybe it happens maybe uh pilot or uh first horizon bank steps up to get him a big time NIL deal to keep him but 750k for one year for alignment I'm not uh I'm not so certain that Cade Cade gets that but like I said, all in all, pretty exciting. Uh, and I think Tennessee is in good shape. Uh, as Danny White puts up billboards, evolution all around uh, the Southeast, including Atlanta. So apologies to Georgia Tech when they're at 404 takeover, but uh, Atlanta runs through ball country. What about uh, what about the dogs? I'll, uh, I'll just let that last comment <laughs> slide. I don't even know what to do with that. But, um, but yeah, Georgia, I, I know there's a lot of you know, the, the the super rational Georgia fans out there that are the sky is falling with the third ranked recruiting class. Um, it's just kind of funny. Like, obviously, Texas A&M just d- just destroyed the the recruiting trail this this cycle. Um, number one class so far. It looks I assume they're going to hold on to that. I mean, it's pretty close as far as that numerical score goes. But but that's what it comes down to. It's like a, a numerical score of this like inexact math that says A&M and Alabama are like a couple points ahead of you and Georgia fans are freaking out, you know, but, um, but Georgia had a great class. I think 300, you know, in that, that 24 seven composite ranking 300 kind of generally 
indicates an elite class. And you have Georgia right there around 311, Alabama at 317, and A&M at 321. So those by far the most elite classes um, in this cycle. Um, but yeah, Georgia, the, the really the they got Dalen Everett uh, the day before signing day. That was a big one. Uh, the five star, the former Clemson commit cornerback, uh, and then uh, Marvin Jones Jr. That was the big one Georgia got on signing day. Uh, the the edge rusher from American Heritage uh, down in South Florida. Uh, he's the twenty like the twenty second ranked player in the country. So. Georgia's got a huge, another huge class, eight top 50 players in this class. Um, but I think what a lot of people are worried about is, is so many, so much of that is on the defensive side of the ball. And Georgia, I mean, what is at the top? One, two, three, four, five, six commits in this class, seven commits in this class are all on the defensive side of the ball. And, you know, as, as great as Georgia's been on defense, uh, people definitely want to see that offense improve. But, um, yeah, for the most part, kept everybody um, in the fold. I know Marquise Groves Killebrew, he was one of the – he may have been the first commit in this class, actually. Uh, cornerback, was, he was at Brookwood, and I think he ended up at North Cobb. Hmm. But he flipped to A&M on signing day, and then, like you said, Tyre West uh, flipped to Tennessee. But I think, I think those are the only two that Georgia lost. Uh, on signing day, then I think there's like two or three commits that uh, that still need to sign. But Georgia should definitely be uh, excited with with their with their class they got going. Malachi Starks from Jefferson. Um, no Gunnar uh, Stockton love. Well, Gunnar Stockton, yeah, he's big time for sure. Um, getting that next quarterback, he's 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 one of those that's kind of slipped down the rankings. But um, you know, depending on who you talk to, it kind of sounds like he's he's one of these guys that doesn't do the whole camp circuit and everything. And hmm. When you go to all the camps, it's kind of how you improve your ranking more, from what it seems like. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, he was uh, he was he was shattering records. I think he beat. I think he passed Deshaun Watson's state and yeah, I saw that. touchdown <clears throat> record uh, for a career. So, you know, that's a big time, and he's a, definitely a dual threat uh, type quarterback. So that's that's a big time dude. Georgia's got coming in uh, to beef up that quarterback room. Um, I know. Uh, Kamari Wilson was one that five-star safety out of out of IMG that I think Georgia thought they had for a long time, but um, but he chose he chose Florida on signing day, so which was Billy big Nate, for Florida, right? Because like yeah, for Billy whatever Nate, reason, he was more five-star commits than the Dan Mullen. How crazy is that? What was the scenario? Like, what was the situation with IMG and Mullen? Like, that was like a bonkers thing that they mentioned of like Napier immediately fixed that. I guess Corey Raven was involved there too, just being like, no, we're we're getting back into the IMG Academy fold. I, I never understood that. And was was it really a thing with IMG in Florida, or was it IMG has elite players and and those guys didn't want to play for Dan Mullen? Like, I think yeah. Like you hear so many of these like excuses from Florida fans over the last couple of years. Oh, you know, Georgia just spends so much money um, and, you know, the facilities and, and the, the, the administration just doesn't have the same level of commitment to winning at Florida. It's like, no, your coach is just irritating and people don't <laughs> like him. It's like that's that's it. Like you, you had Billy Napier on the job for a couple of weeks and like Shamar James is a big time linebacker that decommitted uh, after uh, Mullen lost the job and and they got him back in the fold. So obviously it's not a good class by any means. It's just the early signing period. Um, but where do they end up ranking? They're like what 60th or so overall, yeah. like 50th overall. I was going to say that was uh, yeah, 50. 14th in the SEC. So mm-hmm. yeah, so they're they're definitely 
they're definitely struggling on the recruiting trail, but I mean, that's only 10 commits at the same time. So you're, you're going to, you're going to have to hit the portal, you know, fill up some of those spots and everything. But um, yeah, it, it's just funny that you're, that Napier comes in and he's already able to, to get a, at least two like big time guys to, to, soli- to like, it, like solidify the class, not solidify, but I don't know, make you feel a little bit better. Yeah. Um, Give me some winners for National Signing Day. It looks like you got Texas A&M. I think we have to just group A&M and Georgia and Bama. Like, you haven't even mentioned Bama yet, but they cleaned up all across the board as well. I, I don't, like, Georgia fans were like, oh, we, we didn't get one. It's like, no, 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 they're, Like, the winners are the top three. Like, they're in a league of their own, I think. Um, I think those three all just cleaned up in a major way, and they're playing checkers. While the, they're, they're playing ch- uh, chess while the rest of us are playing checkers. But um, I did think it was interesting that, like, this is not new for Jimbo. Like, I think they've had a top six class every year he's been there. Is that, I think that's right. I think I saw that, um, that he has recruited really well every year and getting Walter Nolan and then getting Max Johnson in the portal. Like everything's there. Like we all know. And this was like why I've just been like bullish on A&M the last couple of years. And I, th- I think I, before the season picked him in the SEC title game and I'm like, they have to break through at some point. This just, it's just too much talent. But like when you watch them, it doesn't feel like it, right? It still doesn't feel like A&M has the same amount of talent as Georgia and Bama, but it's undeniable with this many recruiting classes and this many top five cycles that they do, right? Well, I think they're falling under that same, like, I don't know, like that same level of criticism that, that found Georgia a couple years ago. That's like, oh, they're getting all these big time recruiting classes. Like, where are the wins? It's like, well, they're just now getting the guys. Like, all these guys are still here. You have to stack them one after the other. And it's like, yeah, now all now they're finally getting there to where they have all of this talent, you know, class after class since Jimbo's been here. So, like, it's like the NFL draft. Like, oh, we had the number one pick. Why aren't you in the Super Bowl this year? You know, it's like, well because it doesn't work that way you had to it, it's kind of a process but but yeah they had 14 15 top 100 players in this class like and like you said max johnson the portal that doesn't even include him and i think that could be that could be the biggest aspect of this whole class they have so obviously i think haynes king is still there right so yeah i kind of thought calzada was transferring because you know haynes king was just clearly uh clearly better than him but to see them go out and get a guy like Max Johnson, that could be all Texas A&M needs. Like, I think we were, we were talking about, you know, with Bo Nix and Max Johnson like a week or so ago, of which one you'd rather have. And I think it depends on what you have around you. And mm-hmm. for such a loaded roster like Texas A&M, Max Johnson seems like that high floor guy that he's just going to get the playmakers the ball. And I think that could be a huge pickup for them. But, um, but yeah, I know you had some hope uh, snatching Walter Nolan from, hate from the Aggies, but yeah, hate to see that. But um, but yeah, it's just an absurd class for for Texas A&M. But um, and then Alabama is just standard operating procedure. Um, Georgia was hoping they could get Smoke Bowie uh, from Bainbridge, uh, defensive back that was once committed to Georgia, but he ended up uh, signing with A&M. And, um, but we've, we've gone this far talking recruiting and not talked to Travis Hunter. And I feel like that is Ooh, the biggest okay. story of all of signing day, right? Like that might be the biggest signing day story ever. Like with, uh, Travis Hunter being committed to Florida state for so long yeah. and now going to Jackson state to play for Deion Sanders. 
Like this is just this is an insane story, and I, like, I don't even know which which angle to attack from it of it first. You know. Uh, apologies to cousin Sam. A lot of FSU alums in my family as well. Um, we're we're scattered. We're a mixture between FSU alums, Tin alums, and uh, UGA alums, but um, and North Georgia alums. But I uh, like it, the weird thing about them too is like I think they still finished with a top ten class. Like they still had a really strong class. Their OC left the day of National Signing Day. King Dillingham joined Stan Lanning as OC in Eugene. It was just a cluster, you know what, of a day uh, in Tallahassee. And you just gave, I think Norvell just got an extension earlier this week, too. Um, like the day before signing day. Goodness gracious. Um, <laughs> yeah, I feel like that was such a bad look. Well, it's also just like one of the weirder things about this, too, for me, is that there's been disputes about uh, what Hunter got to go to Jackson State. Like, he was clearly in on this for a while because, like, he put the three fake hats on the table and then pulled out the Jackson State hat under, uh, under, the, under the table. And then he had, like, a JSU shirt on i think the whole time but well and for dion to go on that barstool sports show the day yeah. before and just be like we're about to shock the world like i didn't even see that until until signing day right and then he's denying that they gave him over a mil because like the report was like he got over 1.2 million or something in an nil deal which doesn't necessarily because like dion's worded uh, like correct me if i'm wrong but like i think the wording was like dion was just that like I like Jackson State didn't give him the bag, but like Barstool slash Pin Gaming or whatever gave him the bag, and like I, I don't know what because like his podcast is through Barstool. Like I don't I don't know the specifics, and I'm I'm sure it will eventually come out. Um, what his NIL deal looks like because like he got something to go to Jackson State. Like I don't think he just goes there because he just believes in Prime that much, but. It is okay. So someone mentioned, I forgot who it was that like it may have been uh Bamani Jones, but like they have like five Hall of Famers and they have uh in the NFL uh I did course. see that was Bamani Jones. Yeah, and like Old Miss is like, oh really? Like he would have been that much better off at Florida State. And you saw some people really showing their their butt, um killing the kid, killing the system and all this kind of stuff. But like I do think it's it, the way after a couple of days thinking about it, I think this is a prime thing. And I, I was texting the family about this where I'm like, prime's electric. And I think he's turned, he is the combination of elite recruiter, but also he wins like they're 11 and one right now. They're winning immediately in the swack and they're in a bowl game this year and uh, they're continuing to grind and they're selling out 50,000 plus uh, people in their stadium. And like having talked to Winston Jackson who covers them for SI and just getting his impact and understanding of what prime means and like just what he has done this quickly. But if you're Travis Hunter, who's again, people forget a two way player. Like I watched the Milton Collins Hill game. Like he was doing everything on both sides. Like he was, he was incredible in open space as a receiver. Like he's hard to bring down. He's a little dude, but he's hard to bring down. He's a two way player. He can play two ways at Jackson state. And do you know who else was a great two way player? Even a two sport player it's Deion Sanders. Like if you want to model your game after anybody, if you're Travis Hunter, it's like Deion Sanders makes a bunch of sense. So I yeah, think all the, the greatest two way player of all time. That's what I'm saying. So like, if you're Travis Hunter, like that makes sense to me. So I think there are different levels as to why this all happened. Now, do I think this is going to be a thing where we see more and more five star, four star kids commit to HBCUs, um, like with Hugh Jackson going to Grambling and, um, this, that and the other. 
I don't think so because I still think ultimately those schools are in a different situation where they can't offer those same NIL deals that like the Texas's and the Bama's can. Like Bryce Young getting a million dollars is just guaranteed at Alabama. Like the next Bama quarterback will get somewhere in that range. But Dion is in a different situation than the rest of um, FCS schools can. Like, North, but it's also just like not an indictment on Hunter. And it's awesome. Like, I think that's great. And I, I love we we thought and this was something i was also thinking about is just and i want to get your perspective on this is that like i think we thought that the nil stuff would make the the winners already win even more like the it would give them an even bigger advantage but what we're seeing is sometimes the ripple effect is like the smaller uh programs the the hbcus or the smaller programs in fbs can make a splash with the right coach and the right format to pull a five or four star kid um like a travis hunter so i think it's cool that they were able to do that and take like it was cold-blooded because i mean obviously Dion being a legend at florida state and him pulling him at the last minute was devastating for florida state but i i think it's fine and people are like oh what is he going to do at jackson state the facilities and everything else i'm like okay trey lance just came from north dakota state carson wentz just came from north dakota state uh steve mcnair played at alcorn like we have list name after name who Jerry Rice was fine with his facilities at uh at uh, Mississippi or Grand Valley State um I don't know was, I, uh, Miss, Mississippi Valley Mississippi, State. yeah I was going back and forth Mississippi Valley State um and like it doesn't matter like it's not it's not a big deal like it he'll be fine Travis Hunter will get what he needs and he'll be a star and I'm interested to see what their television deal looks like and how often they'll be able to get put on national television but I think at the very least, it's cool. I'm happy for the kid. And I'm also just happy for different stuff. And I want to see how college football reacts to this. Yeah, so multiple things you said there. Um, I feel like in terms of the, like, to start off with, I don't care. I don't care what the reason is Travis Hunter chose Jackson State, right? Like, that's what I feel like so many people are getting hung up on. Like, oh, well, he's just doing this because of the NIL money or whatever. The re- It's like, okay, like fine do it you know like i don't it's weird how many people i think like it's disrupting the the status quo so that's what's rattling so many people they're like well this just isn't good for the game and it's like well you thought it was going to be bad like you said you thought it was going to be bad for the game because alabama was going to get every five-star prospect now now jackson state just came and got the number one player so how can you how can you do some mental gymnastics to figure out why that's bad too you know like it's the level of competition is what i would worry about as far as preparing yourself for the nfl like if you can play against the best for the next couple of years you you could be stunting your potential growth by not pay, facing the best possible competition you know but obviously that's completely up to him on what he wants to do i think um if this is if there's going to be some sort of hbcu hbcu movement like i think that is completely like it hinges on Deion Sanders. I think like Deion Sanders has to just make the the decision that he doesn't want to go to a big time school and he wants to stay at HBCU and make those great or something because he Deion Sanders is like an unle like unparalleled enthusiasm charisma like just like this guy is just it's you can't really compare any other like former professional athlete to Deion Sanders. You know what I mean? He's just like that, that brand, that level of just, I don't even know what to call it. It's just Deion Sanders, right? He's prime. So I think if, if Deion, you know, two, three years from now, Florida state comes calling or, you know, whoever comes calling and he just gets a big time power five job, 
I don't think there's any chance that the HBCU movement like continues and like you see five stars going to, to HBCU schools. You know, I think, I think it's a, like, it's a cool idea, but I think it's just, I think what people lose when they talk about the HBCUs, it's like, it's not the fact that they're historically black colleges. It's, it's the fact that it's a small private school, you know, it's like a small private school just does not have the, the same sort of funds that just the same sort of infrastructure, everything that these major schools have. So it's, it's, it just puts them at a way bigger challenge. And, you know, for basketball, when you only need five players on the court at one time, like I could see something like that happening, but in football, there's just so many players. I just, it's hard to, it's hard to, for me to see this becoming like a, a thing where, where some of these big time prospects want to play at HBCUs. Like if they do, you know, go for it. But I think ultimately just everything that these big schools have, the advantages they have over these HBCUs, they're going to continue to have. Like, yeah. I don't think, I don't think one, one player like Deion, like uh, Travis Hunter can, can really change that. But also it's just that like, don't tell on yourself folks. Like a lot of dudes were out there telling themselves on Twitter this week about it. It's like, no, it's cool. Uh, this is that that's the response. And it's like, I hope for the best for the kid. Uh, that's all you got to say is he's a 17, 18 year old kid um, having to navigate a lot of stuff. And he made a decision that he thinks is best for him. And I think it's cool. I, I like the, the difference. And I think um, I'm interested to see his journey and see see what happens there. Um, yeah, yeah. That, that's I all feel, you got to do. I feel bad for Florida State, though, yeah. because, you know, all this entire cycle everyone is like why is travis hunter committed to florida state like he's he's not going to end up signing with florida state you know he's going to flip like georgia fans thought he was going to flip he visited athens multiple times they thought he, they could get him to flip i'm sure bama kept coming after him hard you know like there's so many people that thought well, why is he going to such a bad team like florida state right and ultimately and then you know florida state fans are getting mad like look we produced we produced defensive backs like nobody else all right we're a great tradition all that just shoving Charlie and then at the very end everyone was right but just for a completely different reason and he doesn't end up at florida state i i I do feel bad for uh for florida state fans from that perspective but like we said too it's not all doom and gloom they still finished with a really great class um by and large it could have been way worse this week that's true but this guy was a a a game changer and potentially a program changer true true um but we'll see we'll see what happens um because matt green one of my losers and this is the reason i also want to throw a wait and see approach with florida state is that like guess what clemson's that it's ending i i've never been more convinced this is going in a direction that Dabo cannot continue swimming against this kind of current where that he has to dip into the portal now, like not a lot of commits this cycle. He never liked to dip in the portal. He liked to just go after the guys he knew he could get. And then that was it. They would be done. It was very clean, efficient. They were a machine. Now Venable's gone. Now with Tony Elliott gone, Jeff Scott gone, uh, their AD gone promoting from within. We were texting about this, but I I don't know, man. And then his public comments about college football and the state of college football getting dunked on on Twitter all week. I just I don't think I, I it happens way quicker than I think people realize is that like college football, if you don't stay on it and you don't just keep churning out these classes and keep keep at it and keep making elite hiring choices uh, for your coordinators and your recruiting efforts and all that kind of stuff. This stuff can change on a dime because every other program is just 
working just as hard and like looking for that little weak spot in in the Clemsons and the Bama where they can they can pounce and they're just waiting in the wings and they're just they're doing everything they can to to catch to catch them. Now Clemson is just doing everything where it's like can we open the door a little bit more for somebody in the ACC? Can we open it a little bit more for North Carolina? Can we open it more for Miami? Can we open it more for insert team X? Like the Clemson stuff, what helps them in the short term is that they're in the ACC and it's just such a weak conference that um, they still have the talent with the past blue chippers they have, but they're making a big gamble promoting from within. Grayson head coach legend. Mickey Conn's like a co-DC now. Um, graduate assistant got promoted to uh, OC. He was quarterback coach for a while. Trevor Lawrence likes him, all that kind of stuff. But it's a huge gamble for Dabo, who is a CEO type coach, to promote from within like this and to not look elsewhere and to not uh, have a great recruiting class right now. Because what did they end up finishing? 20 something? Um, I think there's 17 okay. in, uh, in the composite. Not good. I mean, not but that good. That is cl- just 13 commits, too. Yeah. So it's not. As they have to open the portal. Goes, it's not, but they have to. Yeah, you're right. And I just we haven't seen that before. We haven't seen Clemson have to do any of this. So it's, I, I'm not saying Clemson's going to fall now, but I do think Clemson is. They've. I, I think it's clear to me that they have reached their peak and their pinnacle, and it was an all time great run in the 21st century. But I think we're now firmly past that and moving away from Clemson having a stranglehold on the ACC. I think those days are gone. What do you think? Um, it's definitely looking like that. I don't know if I can. I mean, they definitely don't have a stranglehold, you know, after after one year of not winning the conference. But I think, you know, they've had their years where they didn't necessarily have the most elite recruiting classes, but they still had the best class in the ACC. So it's interesting to see them, you know, with the third ranked class in the ACC down there at 17. And like you said, like they're going to have to hit the portal. I I think a little too much was made from from Dabo's comments this week of just I don't remember the exact quote, but just about it just being chaos in college football now. Education was last, and it didn't used to be last, and it was like okay, Dabo, okay. Oh yeah, that's a that's a roll your eyes kind of <laughs> comment that last part. But as far as the chaos goes, it's like that is true, and they did they the NCAA made all these changes all at once, and we've talked about this before with name image and likeness in the early signing period and now the one-time transfer it's like we don't know which of these which of these uh in the transfer portal we don't know which of these huge changes is is going like which of them is going to be the thing that changed the face of college football right so there's no controlled variable so i think that's what that it is it is kind of chaos at this point um with with so many coaches you know programs kind of in flux and having to having to sign the future of your program here in the middle of December, it is a little chaotic. So I, I, I give uh, Dabo a little bit of leeway there. But but yeah, how, well, when was the last time education was first? In, in well, it's also that like, I don't feel bad for any of these coaches in this respect of just that like you could have been working for the last 10 plus years. Like we knew this was coming. Eventually the bottom was going to fall out. All these administrations, all these coaches, they had an opportunity to make this a seamless transition to work to pay them to work to do this responsibly to work to make the portal work better they didn't do their due diligence like no one did and then it just went from zero to 100 and i would agree with the general sentiment that it's been bad for college football to have this much change and this much chaos all at once but 
it's also just like you reap what you sow and you didn't do the work for the last 20 years to make this a seamless transition because I, the portal's good. I, I ultimately am in favor of the portal, like the one-time transfer without penalty. That's a good thing with coaches just leaving you. And if you get recruited by a coach and he leaves for another job, it's like, that's not fair that he has to sit out because the coach left or gets fired or whatever. That's fine. The player's getting paid. Yeah. The television deals are preposterous. The coaching salaries are preposterous. They are big parts of this and they deserve their money. And to see in the free market what they can get from the community and all this other stuff. Like that was already happening anyway. The boosters, we, we already know this is all happening. And Gene Chizik with that uh, tweet that he also got dunked on over all that. It's like, okay, do we need to revisit 20, uh, 2009, 2010 Auburn? Like, uh, let's not open that Pandora's box again. <laughs> like, calm it down. But it's just... I just don't feel bad because they should have been on this. Like they should have been doing the work and I am more upset about them and administrations not doing this, but it's also like, this is the problem of not having some sort of leadership at the top. Cause Mark Emmerich is useless that like, you don't have this person or this committee that just did all of this and planned for all of this and did it in logical order to make sure that chaos did not ensue. Now, I think chaos is ensuing, but I do still believe that five, maybe less than that years from now, it will all even out. It'll permeate. It will just be a normal part of our lives. And um, I think coaches, administrations, and everybody else will have a good handle on it. And this this should wrap up. Like, we'll get used to it and they'll figure it out. But I think in the short term, it's just, it's chaos, but they did it to themselves. It's like the, the what is the meme of like, we're all trying to find the guy who did this um like when urban meyer's yelling at his assistants like let me sh- uh, to let me see your resume your your coaching resume when he's the guy that hired you it's like i'm all i'm trying to figure out who the guy that brought you guys in here was um i don't know so that that's my larger perspective on on the matter do you do you agree with that sentiment yeah pretty much i mean it comes down to like it is chaos, but if if you if you come out and complain about it, like you're just gonna look weak. You're lo- gonna look like you're making excuses. Like like Lane Kiffin, like you heard Lane Kiffin talk about it, but he came with it from a perspective of just like it is what it is. You yeah. know, like I'm not crazy about the way it is, but this is how it is. And, and I feel like if you if you draw the line there, it's like okay, yeah, that's your opinion. But if if you take it a step further, like Dabo. It's like, I don't know, it's like complaining about the weather in a, in a game. It's like, well, the other team is dealing with the weather, too. So it's it's the same thing. Everyone's dealing with the same thing. You just have to figure out a way to adapt. And yeah. I also saw, I saw in terms of talking about all these crazy things, and I know we both have the perspective that it, it's going to work itself out. The transfer portal is the number one thing I see is ultimately working itself out. So um, this was a... This is a tweet from from Rivals Portal, which I guess the, is that the is that the official NCAA transfer portal? They're verified. Okay. But, um, it says coming into signing day, um, there was uh, there's 764 FBS scholarship players have entered the portal since uh, August 1st, and 17 have withdrawn. So that puts it down at 747, and of those 747 players, 123 have signed with a new program. So that's 16.4 percent of players that have entered the portal from FBS schools have actually signed with another, with another program. So I think you're just going to see a lot of these guys, you know, you're not getting, you're not getting playing time at, at, at South Carolina and you think you can play somewhere else and, and you might not have those offers that, that you thought you did. 
Well, you know, what's interesting too about Dabo is he, I think he mentioned, and this is actually probably a good point for Dabo and I, I hate to do it. Um, heartbreaking. <laughs> Worst person, you know, made a good point, but, uh, he, he mentioned, he's like, the reason we haven't been in the portal is like, there's a reason those kids are in the portal, which is you can only say that if you're like Bama, Clemson, Georgia, something like that, where you're just cream of the crop and you, Ohio state where you just recruited an elite level. So you really don't have to dip into the portal, but like, he's not wrong that it, the portal is taking a flyer on guys. You're, you're just betting on your scouting and you're betting on, okay, this is a bad fit that, that will make them a good fit. Like you're betting on your, your football acumen. Um, and you're betting on, it was the system, not the player. Like every single time you're betting on, Oh, it was not the player. Cause he was in this particular situation. But if you bring him into our program, he's going to be like this. Um, well, in it, general, it's usually a gamble and I don't think it pays off. Usually it's just like free agency in, in sports. It's just most of the time, big time free agents don't pan out. And that's just how it works is unfortunately free agency is a crapshoot and the transfer portal is a crapshoot. You know, it's not a crapshoot signing a bunch of four or five star kids out of high school. Like that is not a crapshoot. You're going to win national titles that way. We know the blue chip ratio. We know how all that works. So I think Dabo is right in that regard. But see, I think that's where Dabo is just totally, is just completely tone deaf. You know, it's like. I agree with that. To act like anyone that's going to the, like, to act like there aren't legitimate reasons for guys going to the portal. You know, like, for, like, the one place I'll give him a, a, a def- defend him is that the most success we've seen with the portal is with quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. And Clemson has had very consistent quarterback play. So they haven't needed to, to reach to the portal when you got Deshaun Watson and Trevor Lawrence, you know. But there's plenty of good guys that have been coming from the portal. Alabama would would not have won the SEC this year without Jameson Williams. Mm. And you can probably tr- include uh, Toe Toe in there as well. I don't think he's nearly as big of the impact player that Jameson Williams is. But like he's like Jameson Williams made that Alabama offense what it was in this season, in my opinion. Like as, as good as Bryce Young is, they needed that elite wide receiver and they got it. Like there's just you see how loaded Ohio state's uh, wide receiver room is. And this guy wants number one type targets. And so he goes to a a big time program. Like to think that that couldn't help your program. If you're Clemson is just so short sighted. It's insane. Like especially because Clemson is one of those programs that people would want to go to. It's like, it's like being one of the, the team, a, a major league baseball team that's, in first place every year and you're like no i don't believe in making moves at the trade deadline it's like well the dodgers and the yankees sure as hell do so if you're going to compete with them then you need to make those moves at the trade deadline you know like you need to make those moves that's going to put you in a position to win a championship and we've also seen like we haven't even really gotten into the portal all the things that have happened so far um we've already seen uh, elias ricks is going to alabama next year like yeah corner is going to be one of their weaknesses and now they're going to go sign me maybe the best cornerback in college football to put on their team. It's like, you, you think oh, there's a reason Elias Ricks is in the portal. Yeah. The reason is because his head coach got fired and he wants to play on a good college football team. Like to think it's some sort of character issue or just some sort of skill set issue for any, re- anyone being in the portal is just so short sighted. And it makes it seem like to your original premise that this Clemson thing is going to go downhill quicker than, people might think because if that's if that's your perspective then you're just so out of touch with where the sport is right now yeah um to put a bow on national signing day who who else stood out to you as a, as a surprising winner and a surprising loser for you 
Give me one of each. Um, a surprising winner, a surprising loser. Um, yeah, we kind of got with Kentucky. I think was was surprising. Definitely seeing them. Um, Auburn. Auburn was kind of a winner because I feel like they they kind of finished strong. Um, and and it seemed like a lot of those SEC programs had those those middle to bottom SEC programs all had pretty solid classes. Um, I don't know. I don't know if I can give one surprise. I feel like A and M. Just seeing A and M at the top and just like how many spots they have left. Like I'm just watching on signing day. Like oh, so and so he picks A and M. It just it didn't seem like they had enough spots to keep landing all these guys. So it, it's hard to it's hard to pinpoint one surprise. What about you? Um, I think surprise and the positive still is Mizzou. Uh, I can't escape Mizzou in that regard. But I was surprised that Ole Miss really like they got out recruited by Miss State. Like Miss State had a better class than uh, than the Rebs uh, to this point. So I thought that was pretty pretty surprising for me that Lane Kiffin is. Oh, not I'll give done you. Well. A, I'll give you a negative surprise. Okay. Uh, USC. Yeah. At eighty two. Yeah. Like you, you saw Billy Napier snag a couple, a couple prospects, you know, to to salvage like an already like not not pretty underwhelming class. I didn't even hear USC mentioned yesterday on signing day, and you know maybe there's a couple guys that are that are going to sign in February that they still have a shot at, but the 82nd ranked class, only six commits. I was I was very surprised to not see USC really get involved in any of the activity on signing day they must be all in on the portal and just bring as many oklahoma kids and everywhere else as they possibly can that could be Um, i think only did only washington in the pac-12 have a worse class than usc so far i think i think so i think only washington is the only team uh in the pac-12 ranked lower than usc yeah kaylin DeBoer. uh not off to the the best start but we'll see i think a lot of time oh and arizona find them too yeah, I guess Arizona I guess State. That's got to be super disappointing with Herm Edwards. Like he's supposed to have something building there. What, did they win nine games this year? I think they're eight and four. Um, eight and four. I think that it, that has to be because of the looming sanctions, right? Because they got yeah, in a lot of trouble. Like that has to be it. Because I don't understand how Arizona State's not recruiting well with Herm and Antonio Pierce. Like that had, and they kept Zach Hill as their OC after Auburn tried to pry him away. I, I'm that has to be a. Uh, uh, NCAA thing um, that's scaring some kids off. It, that's the only thing that makes sense to me. Um, I'm going to give you four quarterbacks who revealed their transfer destinations, and I want you to rank in terms of likelihood of success that you like the most, that you like the fit, and you think are most likely to succeed of the four. Are you ready? So hold on. How are we measuring success? Like you think they're they'll be better and win more games at their new spot. They'll be seen in a different light, maybe. Maybe that's it, because that's what the portal okay. is. We'll see them in a different light, and they'll get they'll go to another level. Let's say that. Okay, so I have three quarterbacks written down, so I'm curious to who the uh, the fourth one you're going to ask is. So, yeah, so, I'm ready. Rattler at South Carolina, Max Johnson at Texas A&M, Adrian Martinez at Kansas State, and Dylan Gabriel at UCLA. Who did you well, not have on your list? Adrian Martinez. Okay. So um, that I guess you got to go, go Adrian Martinez at four. I think he's a much I disagree. A much lower impact, and also Kansas State is just a much. Eh, I don't know. That's, Have you seen moving. what Spencer Howard's done at quarterback when he's healthy, or Skylar Thompson rather? Excuse me. Like when he is at quarterback, like he has been great, and he's going away. Like Chris Kleiman's offense is like built for this. I I don't know. I actually like that mm. a lot. 
Okay. I think he's going to I think he's going to pop off at K-State. So we we differ there. Okay. So I would say him for I would well, let me start at the top. I, w- I think Max Johnson is one. That's I my think, number one, uh, too. I think with, like we kind of talked about earlier, I think with how, what A&M has around him, I think I think that's a really good spot. And, you know, uh, playing for a guy like Jimbo. I think, is that his brother uh, from Oconee that, in this class? Um, oh, it has to be, Nate right? Because they both went to Oconee. They have to, or not, yeah, maybe not brother or related. They have to be. Yeah, there's got to be a relation. I'm, I'm pretty sure. Uh, Brad Johnson is, yeah. is his, is Max Johnson's dad? I don't yes. know if it's the other one. And he's Mark Rick's uh, nephew? Yes, I believe so. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would put him one. Um, in terms of changing, like, the the view, like the, the perspective of him. Like I, I think Dave, Dylan Gabriel is thought of fairly highly already. And, um, Max Johnson is his brother, by the way. Okay. And, um, so it's hard to say, I think UCLA, that could be a really good landing spot for him. And, you know, potentially if UCLA could compete for the PAC 12 title, that could definitely put him in a, you know, a first, second round pick maybe type of type of conversation. Um, but I think I think Rattler, like we don't know that he's actually still good, right? Yep. Like, but we've seen him play well, and I I wonder that that's like just the biggest X factor, like that I don't know they could they could crash and burn, but they could uh they could they could make some noise next year. Their schedule is tough. We were going through that next uh, the other day because. South Carolina, Carolina fans, fans have to be going stopped. Ten and two, right? They have to be stopped. This is preposterous. <laughs> like I, they are look. If they finish third in the East next year, it's a home run. Like third is the best case scenario, the absolute best case. Calm it down, South Carolina fans. Goodness yeah, I mean, gracious! Third, you're talking eight and four, yeah. maybe even nine and three. And it's like looking at their schedule, like with with Georgia and A and M and Clemson. It's like I think that's pretty much three losses right off the bat, and so. What, what they're are not the beating ones? Tennessee. Like, they're, beating not Tennessee, Tennessee Florida, they're not beating Tennessee. They're not beating Kentucky. Them. Like that's that's a lot to ask right yep. there. So um, I don't know. We'll see about South Carolina. I do like Gabriel. So I guess I would go Max Johnson one, Gabriel two, Rattler three, uh, Adrian Martinez four. Interesting. I would go. So from mine, I have I agree with you. On number one, I have Max Johnson one. I have Adrian Martinez two. I think he's gonna put so up. So what high. is the upside of that? Like, can they can they get into the Big Twelve championship? Yes. Mm, I, I think know. he like Chris Kleiman's a good coach. I think it's an upgrade in the coaching front. Oh yeah, folks. You know what Chris Kleiman does that Scott Frost does not? Uh, he wins football games. He beats Oklahoma. He does what he needs to do. Um, I like. I mean, the Big Twelve is going to be up for grabs this yes. year. So it, that is that is a valid point. I I like this move. Gets out of the Big Ten. Gets out of that lesser competition. I I love all of this. I think Adrian Martinez makes so much sense. Um, give me some Michael Bishop, Eli Roberson vibes with Adrian Martinez. Um, I would have Michael so he's Bishop. Yeah. Um, number three, I have Gabriel. I think him and Chip Kelly's offense. Like this was something that. Do you remember before the season on the pod? I was like, Gabriel not getting in the portal after Hypo left was a mistake. Like all the people who were talking about UCF and Gus Malzahn, I was like, Have y'all watched a, a quarterback in Gus Malzahn system over the last I don't know decade? Um, it doesn't go well. Uh, for whatever reason, they regress, and I'm like, I I would sell all my Dylan Gabriel stock before the season. And um, three star kid out of Hawaii. 
um goes back closer to home west coast i think the upside there chip kelly's system we saw when doran thompson robinson was able to stay healthy like he was a heisman candidate like a superstar uh as, as dtr uh, in in la so i think him and chip kelly's scheme he's gonna put up uh he's gonna he's gonna go full jeremiah masoli which is which is what you want um, <laughs> in los angeles so i have him three and then i have rattler four i would be surprised if rattler's good at south carolina and that's just not even me just like uh poo-pooing the gamecocks but like i just i didn't see enough like south carolina's offense was broken for almost all this year they're keeping the same staff i have not seen enough that i'm like oh yeah like rattler who got beat out by caleb williams and caleb williams was much better like it wasn't even close and you look at the talent you're like well, yeah Mm-hmm. That might not be an indictment, Caleb Williams being much better than you. Like, if he, well, I mean, he was the preseason yeah. number one quarterback. Like, he was supposed to go number one in the draft. Like, he was number one, like, no question, Spencer Rattler ready for this moment. Like, to get beat out and to play that bad and have your own fans boo you like that, I don't know. Strong Jared no, Garantano that's, vibes. That's true in terms of what was expected, but now, like, we go into 2022, like, Caleb Williams might be the best quarterback in college football mm. behind Bryce Young. Like, I mean, Caleb Williams is big time. So I'm just saying not being as good as Caleb Williams isn't necessarily an indictment because he is he is a baller. And, but and he was supposed to be a baller. Like the whole thing is Rattler was the best quarterback in his class. He was supposed to be a baller and he's older. No, he was supposed to be. But if you look at what South Carolina was last year, Rattler yeah. has to be a considerable upgrade from what they had at quarterback from from Luke Doty. Like Nolan, and, and who will start who, in the bowl game, and whoever else they're trotting out there this year, like you have to think there's at least, and and they beat a couple of teams this year, like you know, you know, say what they what you want about what Florida was by the time they played them, um, but I don't know, I, I I think Spencer Rattler should definitely be better than what they had, so it's it's reasonable to think South Carolina will be better with Spencer Rattler, and and there's got to be something also too knowing how good the guy behind you is and, you know, just kind of having that guy looking over your shoulder, you know, not making any excuses for him. He didn't play well, but I think there is a, there is an aspect to, he could just be more comfortable just knowing he's the guy in, in South Carolina. That's true. That's true. We'll have to see. We'll have to see. Um, do you want to quickly run through the, the bowl slate for, for this week and outline how we're doing this? Yeah, so um, so we got the the college football pick'em, the bowl mania pick'em. So we're going um, we're gonna go the confidence points and and see where we end up uh, with these. So uh, right now, so we're gonna do this every Wednesday. Obviously, this is Friday, but um, so we're picking the games from December seventeenth to the twenty second. So we got thirteen games to pick. You got your you got your points assigned, right? I do. So um, we can we can get into this if you're ready. All right, where are we going first? And this is going to go up, uh, as folks are listening, this is going to go up uh, same day because there are bowl games happening tonight and this afternoon. Yeah, so today, uh, starting off with the Bahamas Bowl, we got Middle Tennessee State and Toledo. What are your thoughts on this one? All I'll say about this one, um, what a great situation for Middle Tennessee. Uh, shout out to the Blue Raiders who were fighting for bowl eligibility the last week of the season, and they get to go to Bahamas for winning six games in their conference. So shout out to them uh, getting a, a Hawaii vacation um, and getting that last dub to get them in here. Uh, I think Toledo is a better team. Uh, I have Toledo and I actually have uh, some pretty high confidence points on, on Toledo here. What about you? Oh, what, 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 uh, what, what points you put on it? Let me put up. So what I found myself doing I was about uh, to say, you just can't just say a number. We gotta, we gotta lock. I'm trying in. to find, I was, I was stalling for a second. Cause I, I don't have the page up. Hold on. I'm, okay, I'm going okay. back. Can I'll you look you at mine? It um 
I probably could, but I'm I'm not. I don't have it pulled. Hold up. On, I'm gonna pull it back but up. Give me. I'll a let second. you pull it up. Um, yeah, I was also thinking Toledo. Um, I know they had a big time running back, uh, Bryant Kobach this year. Um, over 1,200 yards, 15 touchdowns. Um, I do have a soft spot for the Blue Raiders because of my uh, because of my past, but um, I'm gonna go with uh, Toledo as well. I got this as a four pointer. Four points. Oh, you're gonna do the big games as your your higher odds for you on this. See, we have a different have strategy. Some, see, yeah, I mean, I just go. With, I I can't put more confidence in teams that I don't know about. You know, so I I I've got a little mixed bag. You know, I got some some early, some late. I'll I'll well, uh, you'll have to see you'll have to see my strategy. But yeah, I can't go too many on this one. I'm going four points. Okay, where are we going next? What did you find yours? I'm still looking. I'm sorry. I'm trying to get in here. Hold on. I'm still trying. Hold on. Uh, My game's home. See, this is the college pickup. Where did it go? I just had it up. This is, uh, I'm clearly 30 years old, but I'm trying to figure this out. Hold on. Uh, Where did it go? Where did it go? Where did it go? Uh, Okay. I'm still looking, but continue. Yeah. So I don't think I can see your picks on there um, either. It might, it might lock up. Like I might be able to see like your tournament picks and my lock when uh, once it starts, but um, all right, I'll have to come back to you for that. But uh, next one we got uh, the Tail Greeter Cure Bowl in Orlando, Florida, Northern Illinois, and Coastal Carolina. I know, uh, I know the Huskies had a good year this year in the MAC. Did they win the MAC? They did. And um, so they were a good quality team this year, but uh, I got to go with the Chanticleers. I'm putting 39. Oh wow! This is already going to be a big uh, gravitational shift in our our pick'em. It hurt me, Jamie Chadwell, friend of the pod. They lost games to their only like really good competition. They had a really weak schedule. They had like a weaker schedule than uh, some FCS schools. Um, a lot true. of momentum for for the Huskies right now with uh, you know Mister Rocky Lombardi and Thomas Hammock. I actually gave the huskies the nod here i think they're going to win this game i i think the chanticleers uh might be um their, their record might be a little bit deceiving oh okay but we, you don't have a point total yet. i can't find it why can i not find it i'm still looking i don't know where it is you don't you'll just go to like the the espn that's what i thought that's what i thought and it won't pick? take me to it i i don't understand i'm looking at my profile and i've been going through it look don't berate me i'm sick and i'm trying i'm trying to figure this out i don't know why it's not just right there i'm looking unbelievable. at unbelievable send it to me in the, the the group chat on on skype real quick the link i should be able to find it that way honestly my uh my internet was freezing up on that computer anyway so i might might not be able to do that for you but um <laughs> We'll keep it moving. You'll 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 log your picks in. We'll we'll get we'll get those those point totals. Um, but we'll keep it moving. The the roof claims. Oh, I found um, it. Maybe I think I found it. Maybe hold on. I think I oh. found it. I think. Oh yeah, yeah yeah. I found it. I found it. Okay. Cool. Okay. Um, I have eight confidence points. Uh, for Northern Illinois beating Coastal, and then what was the first game? Toledo. Toledo. Yeah, I gave. Uh, I know it was a high number. Um, oh, 34 points to beat Minnesota. Okay, Tennessee. nice. Got a 34-pointer on, on the Rockets. Big Rocket guy. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> so let's keep it moving. The RoofClaim.com Boca Raton Bowl. Mm-hmm. And this one is played in Boca Raton, if you were not aware. Yeah, um, FIU. This is Western Kentucky and App State. 
Um, I'm a, I'm just falling in love with the big passing yards numbers, mm. you know. So that's why I got to go with uh with our our boy Zappy, yeah, and and uh, Western Kentucky. So I'm putting 22 points. Oh on my Hill god, Toppers. you're a wild man for putting this much confidence points on some of these games. Um, there's 40. There's like 45 games. You got to put confidence on somebody. I think 22. 22 is kind of a low. That's like a middle to low confidence. 50 points total in Western Kentucky is in Coastal is preposterous, Macrain. Preposterous. Can't do it. You're living on. You're living dangerously. You're hey. you're living dangerously. I I picked App State here, and I don't feel great about it at all. So I only have nine points. Sean Clark said a great. So you're over, here, you're over here ridiculing my Western Kentucky, and you have no confidence in App State. Well, that's what I'm saying. Is like I I don't have the the gall. I don't have the stones to uh to put a bunch of points on some of these games. But you're I'm not like, confident. I, you're not confident because they're going up against the the dangerous hilltoppers. That's what it is. You said nine points. Nine points. Yeah. Do you know who I actually have is the my number one? Who like just a put some perspective here who is your most con- who do you have the most oh we, can, we can't just jump the gun we, gotta, we can uh, give that that's a little tease who do we have the the number one who do uh, you have my number one is alabama versus that's Texas. my number one i was suspicious that that would be your number one too um yeah. that's i mean why. i don't know how you can you, <laughs> that has to be number one yeah right? that's that's funny uh, our um, strategy was the same there okay continue um keeping it moving the cricket celebration <laughs> bowl in Mercedes-Benz Stadium. This game got a lot more interesting uh, with National Signing Day. Um, not not the typical, um, you know, not, not the not the best matchup we've seen in the last few years. South Carolina State coming in at six and five uh, versus Jackson State at eleven and one. Uh, winners of the SWAC. My yeah, and. Um, I got Jackson State in this one. They this is almost my top one. Forty two points I put on on Jackson State. I put thirty five on Jackson State. Actually, yeah, I, I don't think they're like this would be a stunner. I I thought about going even higher, but I was like, just in case, just in case. All right, and we'll keep it moving. The PUBG Mobile <laughs> New Mexico Bowl. <laughs> In uh, Albuquerque, New Mexico, we got UTEP versus Fresno State. You know, I've been a, a fan of of the Bulldogs right. all season long, so I got to keep that going. I'm going to go Fresno State, and this is going to be my 36 pointer. Almost exactly, I have 32 points on the on the Bulldogs. Did you see that they just promoted Jeff Tedford back to coach? I did not see that. Yeah, so Tedford will be coaching this game. Where was he? Uh, he like retired and then he got brought back. He's doing the Bob Stoops, but he's going to be the head coach next year. Wow. Like he just retires, comes back, retires. He's like just a Fresno lifer. Cause Kayla uh, DeBoer is took Barry Alvarez on. Yeah. It's the Barry Alvarez, Bob Stoops. I actually like this. I like co- legendary coaches who are like, yeah, I'll step in and help out the program to keep us afloat. I, I, I dig that. It is. It's kind of cool. It's like they're ingrained in the, in the university. Like, Oh, what is, what, the, what, what was the team need? Yeah. I'll, I'll step up. Fulmer should coach any balls like game where we fired someone after Vanderbilt. He should just coach every ball game um, outside of that. That'd I be imagine, great. I imagine him picking up the phone. Coach Stoops. Haven't heard that name in years. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you said 32 on Fresno State? Yeah. Okay. And we'll uh, keep it moving into the Radiance Technologies Independence Bowl mm. in Shreveport, Louisiana. UAB and BYU in this one. I think this is a this is a interesting uh, 
lower tier bowl I think we got here. Eight and four UAB and ten and two BYU. Um, I think UAB was solid this year. Um, and maybe I'm maybe I'm blinded by what Georgia did to UAB this year. They're they just flat out embarrassed them. Um, but I think BYU is just a better team, and I I got 38 points on the Cougars. I have 36 on the Cougars too. Um, I think this is crappy. What did they do to get this kind of bowl game? Ten and two, number 13 team in the country. BYU was legitimately good this year. This just seems like a really crappy bowl situation. No offense it's just, to it's UAB. All about, it's all about the the conference. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The conference ties. You know. Yeah. Like, once you, a good team from one of these smaller conferences or they're independent, like you don't have those good tie-ins. So what we perceive to be a good bowl, like the Cotton Bowl, or I've said it's a bad example. It's a playoff bowl this year, but like the the Citrus Bowl or something like that. Like the these these lowest conference teams can never really get into those if they're not getting into a, a New Year's Six bowl. So yeah, it is a little weird to see um in Shreveport. <laughs> that's that's not usually where you see uh, BYU plan. Stocky also got a big extension. Uh, he's low key just been an absolute star at BYU, like absolute star. Uh, picking up where Mendenhall left off, he's been better in Mendenhall. Like he is. Whew, I'm excited to see BYU in the Big Twelve. They'll be in the playoff several times, is what I'm going to guess with Kalani Sataki. They're they're in really really good shape. It's perfect. In, in a twelve team playoff. Yeah, yeah, they could definitely uh, make some noise. Um, keeping it moving, the Lending Tree Bowl. Mm. Um, which is in Mobile, Alabama, um, Eastern Michigan and Liberty. Malik and Willis will be playing in this one, correct? As far as I know, I haven't heard of yeah. an opt out um, for this one. So for that reason, I'm going. I'm going Liberty. Um, yeah, I'm. I'm going Liberty. Thirty-two points. Thirty-seven points for me. Yeah, I have. It, Malik Willis needs to show out. This is a big one for him. Last game as a Liberty Flame. Get his draft stock up. Um, yeah, no, give me, give me Liberty here. Absolutely. Um, and then maybe the bowl, the best name of our bowl mm. season, the Jimmy Kimmel LA bowl right? presented by Stifle. What kind of name is this? <laughs> I don't have enough time to get into this, but, and it's such a random bowl to be played, being played in SoFi stadium, right? Like, does this, this bowl deserve to be in SoFi stadium? Like no, no shade at, at Utah state and Oregon state here. But, um, I, um, I like, I like the Aggies in this one. I think this is one of my, you'd probably call this an upset pick, uh, Utah state. They're 10 and three versus seven and five Oregon state. But, um, yeah, I like, I like Utah state in this one. I only went 14 points. Well, that's because you hate the Beavs and you hate what Jonathan Smith is building out there in uh, Corvallis. Uh, Utah State, they're riding too high for me. Their britches, they're riding too high um, based on their uh, upset win over San Diego State in the in the Mountain West Conference title game. Uh, great work by Blake Anderson this year uh, for the Aggies. Great story. But that's where that story dies. The dam is coming. The Beaver <laughs> Dam. And uh, give me the Beavs to win here but i only put 10 confidence points on here but that's irrelevant just 10 okay um let's keep it moving sneaky good game though yeah it should be a good one um the rnl carriers mm. orleans bowl <laughs> we got um the raging cajuns versus the thundering herd mm. best, best mascot combo i think of any Ooh. of our season um 
the uh, the only bowl I think with both teams have an adjective in their uh, in their name. I can't okay. prove that. Can't prove that. But um, I think the the home field advantage. I'm thinking I'm giving to the Raging Cajuns. This being in New Orleans. And were you aware that this is called the Caesar Superdome? Yes. I was not aware of that. When did that change? This year? Uh, it feels like it's been longer than that. Fair enough. But, um, yeah, I think I uh, Louisiana's still got Chauncey Manic, former uh, former Bulldog, George Bulldog, um, big-time defensive player uh, for for uh, the Raging Cajuns. And, um, they obviously, Billy Napier moved along. But um, I just think Louisiana is a better team than Marshall. So so give me the Raging Cajuns. And I got 37 on this one. Oh, my goodness. 37 on the Cajuns. I have 38 on the Cajuns. Were you copying oh. off me? It's a great mind, sir. Charles Huff, by the way, cleaning up in the portal. I think uh, Marshall's going to be good with Huff. Uh, he's getting like like his ties to Bama in the South. Like I think he's going to flip all these unhappy four and five stars. And then Marshall's just going to have uh, this weird hodgepodge of one-star kids and four and five stars who were not happy in the South. Charles hey, Huff's whatever. a name to keep an eye on it in Marshall. Whatever it takes. That's a, That can be a solid strategy. Mm-hmm. Um, keeping it moving, the Myrtle Beach Bowl presented by Tax Act. And I, I just want you to know it's important for me to read these yeah. entire bowl names. Um, we got Old Dominion and Tulsa in this one. And this is my one-pointer because, I'll be honest, I don't know much about either of these teams. I know Tulsa gave uh, the Bearcats uh, a scare there late in the season. That's why I gave 11 points on Tulsa. Was That's just because they played them I'm, close. Yeah, I'm going ODU. Oh, um, big Ricky Ronnie point. guy. And big, uh, big Taylor Heineke guy. Did he go to ODU? He did okay. I'm just naming random people that didn't. Did he play in Gwinnett? Am I missing? Yeah, he's a Collins Hill guy. That's right. Um, Collins Hill, who knew high school football? You did you know Collins Hill was the first program, uh, in the highest classification at Georgia, uh, for high school football who won every single game by double digits? Oh, wow, I did not know that. They won every single game by at least double digits. Yeah, they're playing, um, in a national championship, right? Like, are they? Yeah, I think it's played out in like Las Vegas or something. Hmm. But um, like I don't know, is this like a is this like a BCS era? Like you just you voted on the top two teams across the country. You know what's and... funny? I remember when I was at Parkview and like even growing up in the Parkview community when we were national title. Like we were the number one team in the country at one point uh, during the Frank Corps years, and there was like always these rumors of like oh Matter Day or what was it? I think it was. I think it's Matter Day, right? The one what was it? Della Sal, that's who it was. It was Della Sal was the kings of California at that point. And there was all these these like rumors of like, oh, they don't want to play Parkview and ruin the reputation. Um, but yeah, there was like this whole thing of like playing De La Sal and uh, during the heyday, but it never happened. That would be cool though. They did stuff like that more often. But there's really yeah, no reason for, sure. for your Basketball, best players to play I mean, that. They have a legit tournament now because they they talk about how Oak Hill just like kind of claims all those championships before mm. they actually started having a tournament i'm not sure oak hills actually won the tournament since they've had it hmm. um I, I think was it mont verde i think where where ben simmons and i think d'angelo russell both went i could be getting that wrong i believe you but um yeah i think they've won a couple but um but yeah 
So, so Oak Hill has those like fictional championships, whatever you, whatever you want to call them. They're they're claiming them. They're they're pulling their Alabama and just claiming as many, and nobody's gonna call them on it. Yeah. Um. He said Tulsa eleven points. Tulsa eleven points. All right, I'm gonna lock that in, and um, keeping it moving to the famous Idaho Potato Bowl, <laughs> we got Kent State and Wyoming. And so I feel like, you know, Wyoming probably has the, the geographical advantage here. Um, but uh, Kent State, you know, we talked about it. And they were like one of the only teams. They were in the uh, MAC championship. They had a negative point differential on the season. Um, I think they're just going to find a way to win. And uh, give me the, uh, the golden flashes. Uh, this is my two-pointer. Golden flashes. Um, yeah, so, once I said the thing about the thundering herd and the raging Cajuns, I was like, there might be some golden, some fighting out there. There, might, there could be two, two more uh, that have adjectives in there. I don't know. I'm trying to find mine. Where did I put Kent State on here? Uh, I can't find it. Where did it go? This is wild. Why? Where am I? Just losing my mind. Is just the sickness taking over? I'm trying to find where I have my Kent State pick. Where did it go? Where did it go? Oh, there it is. Uh, it was right under that. Um, I went Wyoming here. Craig Bull. You can't have me going against Craig Bull here. Uh, you gotta, you gotta lock in. Afternoon slate. Kent State. They don't want to get up for that. You know who does? <laughs> the Wyoming Cowboys get up because you know what Cowboys do? They're early risers. Give me the the Cowboys here with twelve points. I can't argue with your logic. <laughs> um, you're you're making me question my pick. Um, this is up there. I think this is a candidate for the uh, the bowl name of the year. The Tropical Smoothie Cafe Frisco <laughs> Bowl. Um, this one in Frisco, Texas. Uh, Toyota Stadium in Frisco, Texas. I'm not sure who plays in this stadium. Um, but we'll let's figure that out. Um, UTSA and San Diego State. I think this is a big time. This is a big uh, one. Low-key bowl right here. And... Uh, I went back and forth on this one because the Roadrunners have been so good this year. Uh, and, and San Diego State, when we last saw them, like just get absolutely boat raced in the, the Mountain West Championship. That kind of, that kind of threw me off, you know, like a, a, is a, if they face another big time offense, if they're going to be able to hang with them. Uh, but with that said, I got to go with my Aztecs. Give me San Diego State. And uh, I'll put 13 points on that one. That's wild. I put 13 on San Diego State. Oh, nice. Put it on the board. Did, did you think about going with the Roadrunners? I did, like, because, like, the lasting memory is San Diego State getting boat raced by uh, the Aggies, and then uh, they just couldn't defend the pass and everything else. Like, it was just a – I think it was a confluence of everything went wrong, could go wrong. Um, but UTSA uh, winning the CUSA title on that Friday night. Um, but they got – boat race the previous week by north texas so i don't know i i I i've gone back and forth on this one i could see it either way but 13 points for san diego state i think they they ride the ship they don't end the season on a two-game losing streak also we got to give a shout out to the punt god yes matt areza does he go first round no (laughs) do the raiders have a big in the first round then then maybe um but yeah, he's uh, gonna potentially have the uh, break the single season record for uh, punt average. So that's fifty one point four seven yards per punt right now. This guy, and he's the kicker too. So does it all for the Aztecs. Um, and then the the last game on our slate, we got the Lockheed Martin Armed Forces Bowl 
in Fort Worth, Texas, Missouri, facing Army. And you know, this feels like a conflict of interest. Does one of the does one of the military schools have to play in the Armed Forces Bowl? Seems like they could get some questionable calls. In <laughs> conflict of interest. So you know, I'm I'm worried Missouri's not going to get a fair shot in this one. Right. Officials. Officials just going to uh, be favoring uh, Army here. But um, obviously we know what Army wants to do offensively. They do not want to pass the ball one time if possible. Mm-hmm. And um, But I think Missouri's had a – you know, they've had, had their ups and downs. But with, with Tyler Beatty, I think that's going to be a better player than anyone Army's faced this year. So not super confident, but give me Missouri, and I'm putting 10 points on this one. I have Missouri at 14 points. I, it's kind of wild how many people have just picked Army. They just got beat by a bad Navy team. I I don't know. Missouri, this is an embarrassing loss if Missouri loses to Army here. Like, I look at it as an embarrassing loss. Um, give me Missouri. I mean, Army was a solid team. Is they're a solid fun, team. They're a solid team. But, like, if you want to real, like, Essie, like, if you want to run with the big, like, this is a bad loss for Eli Drake. You no, can't that's true. But Missouri has been able to, to be run on this year. Yep. So, that's... That's what Army's going to do. So that's mm. going to... It's not necessarily... You don't think they're going to open it up in the passing game this week? <laughs> I bet they, they're going to throw... A, I, I will call one running back pass in this game. They'll, mm. they'll throw a little trickeration in there. Okay. But um, but yeah, it, it's like losing to Georgia Tech under Paul Johnson. It's like even when they were good, you're just like, oh, it's so embarrassing to lose <laughs> them. But, um, but at least that's Georgia but, Tech and an ACC team. Like this is Army. That's tr- it's that's still tr- just Army. I just I can't should have that. more dudes. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that is it for our uh, for our first slate. So we will we'll check back in on that action, and then um, probably another 10, 10, 15 games or so uh, next week to pick. I like it. I like it. All right, Matt Green. Well, I, I made it through the sickly edition. So thank you for your patience on that front. Um, this will obviously be up today on this Friday uh, edition of the, the Chase Must podcast. But thank you as always, my friend. I will talk to you on Wednesday where we keep it going. And then it's uh, Christmas is here where you, uh, you're you you're a Grinch, as we've learned over the last few weeks. You, uh, you're a little that's, bit of a Grinch see, That's vibe. not accurate. Mm. I feel like I like the Christmas stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, I just don't want to do it myself. I don't know what that means. And I don't know where that puts me on the mm-hmm. Christmas spectrum, but like <laughs> I see Christmas lights and stuff. I'm like, Hey, this looks nice. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's, I like the, the joyful time of the year, even Christmas music. I feel like when I worked at Publix, I hated Christmas music because they would just play it all the time. But you I, know, I wouldn't know. Cause I don't go into Publix. Oh yeah, that's right. You know, <laughs> Hey, <laughs> sir, getting you your coffee. Let me go, let me go talk to you and open you like at nine o'clock on a Thursday. Let me go ask how you're doing and what I can uh, help you find on this <laughs> aisle for the coffee aisle. Yeah. That's, that's what I want. The bright so, white lights. Yeah. Person who doesn't like good customer service. I can't stand good customer service. It drives me up the wall in person customer but service. Y- yeah. If you're just working retail in general, I yeah. have to, you want to pull your hair out after listening to Christmas music that they started yeah. like, last week of november or something you know mm-hmm. but um i don't even like i don't even dislike christmas music there's a there's i'll put it on i'll feel festive you know that's fine but um i just don't want to buy stuff for no reason and i don't want to decorate my house just to take it take stuff down a month from now so that's clutch yeah the the the, the decoration is a lot um <laughs> 
it, it's a lot because you don't want to take it down. So you just end up keeping it up year round because uh, you're just like, I'm not going through the trouble of taking all this down. I don't know. We have we have a mixture of lights because I'm a big lights guy, as as you know, um, looking at some all around my room right now or the studio. And yeah, no, lights are lights are objectively good. And I'm going to be sad when uh, we move past the, the Christmas time with with all of this. But I am curious because I got snowed in here last year. Matt Green. Uh, I couldn't go back home for, for the holidays uh, because we had a crazy snow blizzard uh, in Knoxville on Christmas Eve. So I was snowed in here. Uh, so fingers crossed that it does not happen once again. But uh, snow in the Smokies is a possibility. So we'll have to play it by ear. And I hopefully we'll see some snow this weekend in Nashville or see some mountains with some, some snow stuff. But I'm very excited about it. I'm very excited. Hopefully, health permitting, I can make it through. But yeah. Yeah, I hope you're able to uh, able to do that. That'd be that'd be nice uh, to get a little get a little s- snow while you're up there in the mountains. Asheville's cool. Have you been to Asheville? Have we talked about that? Um, I haven't in my adult life. Mm. I went to the uh, the Great Smoky Shootout was a uh, <laughs> was a great uh, AAU tournament that mm-hmm. we went to multiple times um, playing basketball. But um, yeah, I, I need to get up there and and experience the 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 breweries and and everything that that Asheville has to offer. We're gonna try hit the Biltmore tomorrow because I've heard the Biltmore during this time of year and the lights and all the kind of stuff. Like the lights are impeccable um, around Asheville. This time. But Asheville's just a cool little town. I love that. I Tori, love Asheville. Tori's very very highly fond of the uh, the Biltmore. Mm. He took Zeus there. What? Uh, before before we were. Uh, Can you do together. that? Yeah, they they walked all the grounds. I don't know if you had to go inside. Yeah, yeah, she said they walked all over the place. Interesting. There you go. There you go. Um, and don't forget, what do you? What should you do to remedy the the Maddox situation? Because you just closed with Zeus once again on this very podcast. How do we? How do we wrap oh, up here? Maddox, Max got a shout out though. Okay. It's, his, it's his birthday, so um, it was December twelfth. So uh, officially, officially one years old. There you go. Happy birthday, Max. Um, one year, year old. There you go. There you go. Matt Green, always a pleasure. I will talk to you very soon. Yes, sir. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.